Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, Tran Hermostis, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. Oh, hello. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Whenever you are listening, it's the fucking morning for me. And I am just got home from traveling last week, just had a couple like, you know, when you just get to that phase of life where you're like, I've got to stop saying no to stuff. I've got to start saying yes. I need to go out and see my friends more. I need to host more people over. I need to live a little. And then you do it and immediately you're like, oh, right. This is why we don't. Because <laughs> I, I had this morning Lemmy, my toddler, literally peeling my eyes open, being like, "What? I could not keep them open. But I think this is going to play in our favor today. And I'll tell you why. When I'm tired, I don't have the energy to think, to overthink. I just think and I just do. Sometimes my best stuff comes out of a tired state. So we're just going to lean into that today. We're going to like let that just our true selves show. And I'm really excited because today's guest is all about that, all about being their true selves and sharing that with the world. Today we have on Miles Sexton. Now I have to tell you the story of when I met Miles because I was going to Boots and Hearts. I was attending because my best friend, Brini was the artist at that, the featured artist. She was built this beautiful structure of these big pink boots that everyone was taking their photos at. And so we arrived there and they brought this little golf cart for us and started driving us around the property to bring us to the boots so we could get a shot with them and and kind of with my friend, Brini. So we are on this little golf cart and I see this person and this has only happened to me a few times in my life, one of them being my husband, but I saw this person dressed fully in just an incredible outfit, this long wavy hair, just a beautiful sight of a human. And my friend Brini knew them and was like, oh, that's Miles. And I was like, who is that? And then later we actually got to all hang out together and we were talking and it was just so magnetic. We were just, could I, I just couldn't stop thinking about what an incredible human this was. I went home that night and I said to my husband, 
I just met one of the most magnetic people I've ever met, and I can't stop thinking about it. The next morning, both of us, at the very same time, send a message to each other being like, this was so amazing to meet you. I can't wait to see you again, and let's plan that. Since then, we have recorded a few videos together, a few reels. We did a photo shoot, and we have actually gone as a family to visit their home with their partner, Ty, and just hung out as friends. This is one of my favorite people, but they're so new in my life, too, that to be having the opportunity to sit down, ask some curious questions, learn so much from Miles Sexton, who is a model, creative director, stylist, makeup artist, HIV AIDS um, activist, sobriety activist, and queer fashion nomad based in Toronto. Miles has incredible work. They have been featured in Vogue Italia, Elle, New York Times, and Fashion Magazine. I cannot wait for you to meet them. Let me introduce you to Miles Sexton. Miles, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, gorgeous. <laughs> I am so excited. I was just telling the story about when I met you and I was like, came home and was just like, I met the most magnetic person I've ever met. Like we were so drawn to each other at this like really chaotic event of Boots and Hearts. It's but so I'm like, true. I'm so glad that we've stayed in each other's lives since then because I would have been devastated. And it's one of those things where, you know, like when you meet somebody and you're like, and, and it's not like a romantic thing, but you're just like, I need to see them again. Like they need to be in my life. Like, <laughs> what am I, I'm going to be so sad if this doesn't uh, happen. <laughs> legit. I felt the same way. I felt like as soon as I met you, it was like the grounding energy I needed in that chaos yeah. <laughs> of a music festival, you know? And I was like, oh, but then I also was like, I don't want to be too intense. I'm like, I'm going to scare her away because I just want to be like, ah, I think you're so amazing. <laughs> I know. I think we both had that, which was so sweet. But you, you know, I've only really known your story through snippets. And I remember when we were shooting last time, you told me a little bit about it, but I haven't honestly heard it from the beginning. I feel like you are this onion of a person that every single time I ask a question, you unveil something about yourself. And I'm like, what? And and, and I see you now, like I, you're such a, I mean, I feel like you're a regular on television now. You're constantly giving different things of yourself and different angles of yourself and different talents that you've held. But I want to hear the story of how this person from a small town is now one of the most notable people in Canada. You've really made a name for yourself. So I, I want to hear that story before we get into the rest. <laughs> well, I appreciate that so much. Uh, I still feel like that little, that little person, you know, every day I think I have a hard time I don't know, just realizing like where I'm at some days. So I'm just like, ah, you know, I still feel like that awkward teenagers. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I grew up in a town of like under like 2000 people, you know, like it was such a tiny place. Like it was literally, we had like a home, like home renovation kind of store and like a post office and a pizza shop. And like, that was it. That's you it. know, there, yeah. it was pretty, pretty tiny. But you know, like I just, for me, I guess the journey, you know, it's been, it's, I feel like it's been such an incredible journey, like going from that place. Like I remember I was like super into MySpace 
And I was Ooh, like, was kind it? of, I know, right? Like, such a I time. I miss it. Someday. Miss it. I, miss I want a the theme music. song on my Instagram. I said that yeah. lately, and I was like, everyone's like, "What would your theme song be?" And I'm like, "Listen, I'm not ready for that question yet. It's just, no. it's a mood. I just want exactly. it." Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and like, you know, I was like, we had finally gotten the internet, and like, I had gotten MySpace, and I was sort of like, finally, just validated for like who I was because mm. I think when you grow up in seclusion, like I didn't grow up with internet, I didn't grow up with like with television like we were very much like this you know like go outside and explore your imagination you know like kind of family and like so it was just like a bit of like it was amazing in so many ways because I think it allowed me to like really like lean into my creativity like Mm -hmm. that comes from within me but it also like was hard from like I think a gender identity perspective because it just like I didn't have anyone that I could relate to other than like you know, a few sort of like figures with either within fantasy sort of like Mm -hmm. novels or like slight bits of like history that I would read, like, especially around like Greek, like any sort of Greek Roman history. Like I felt like with like one sort of area where I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like Alexander the Great had like a girlfriend, you know, a wife and, you know, like a boyfriend. And so it was just like, yeah, I just did feel like I didn't really have a lot of reference points. And then I downloaded MySpace and I was like, discovered the whole like world of being like emo. And I was like, <laughs> this is me, <laughs> mood, apathetic, you know? Like I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm seeing, you know? Oh my goodness. So it just like was such a transformative thing for me because like, yeah. you know, I started like taking self-portrait pictures of myself. Oh my and gosh. was like, it, Was it in the reflection face. of a mirror? Remember always, that? Always, you know, always. like up like this. <laughs> And like, you know, the camera above your head and just like, oh my God, so much eyeliner. And I was just uh, so much swoop bang, you know, (laughs) it was, it was the vibe, but, uh, you know, so then it was like kind of funny because like from there, I guess I started, people started really gravitating towards like my creativity and, and then I ended up like submitting my photos to like a modeling agency, like Mm -hmm. in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And I remember like, her like the agent owner was like oh I want to have you in for an interview and she basically was like okay like I want to sign you as a model like I think you have a really interesting look but like you need to cut off all your hair you need to not wear makeup and you need to like dress a certain way and I just like remember feeling so liberated like kind of expressing myself as like you know an alternative emo punk kind of person but I was like okay like I think I'm gonna try to do this and like figure out if this is like the right path for me because I just I think I just so badly wanted to, I think really self for selfish reasons, wanted to be validated as beautiful mm-hmm. because like mm-hmm. I never felt that way growing mm-hmm. up. You yeah. know, like I always yeah. was told that I was wrong. And I think my my natural femininity or my divine femininity was like really used as a weapon against me for such a long period of my life. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do whatever it takes, you know, like especially when you watch like Top Model and like, yeah. Dennis Dickinson's modeling agency they're like you have to do whatever they say you have you to know? do whatever and, it is yeah yeah those so horrible just, makeovers they did to those poor oh, women. those poor people I know <laughs> I know you know so I guess that's where like for me I guess that's where it sort of started I guess like in this sort of journey and I, I just from there was sharing my experience like online on YouTube and like on MySpace and then eventually to Facebook, you know, and then I eventually got like a job in Toronto. So I ended up moving in like two weeks, like from my, like from my, like from Halifax to Toronto to like go try to like be a makeup artist. And it was so funny because I like moved here and then like the company like didn't get back to me. 
Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> so I like Seriously? uprooted my whole life. I had like, after I put my first and last like deposit, like in, you know, on my apartment that I was like renting a room from this, like from this girl, you know, I, I think I had like maybe $400 in my bank account and I was like, oh shit. Oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> That's like such a funny thing. That, first of all, did they ever contact you? Literally, I think it was like maybe a month later, they were like, oh, like, can we have a meeting? And I remember getting to the meeting and she sat down and she's like, you know, we actually hired someone else. And like, but like, here's this like bag of makeup. And like, I hope like oh, wish you well, you know? Oh. And I was like, really? Like, I just moved like halfway across the country to work for yes. your company. But like, yes. you know, you don't think about when you're like, I was literally like 18 years old when they offered yeah. me this job that I like, I didn't sign a contract. I didn't yeah. like, you know, how would like, you yeah, know? Sure, okay. You know, like there was no one to guide <sighs> me, I guess, in these like situations. Right. So. But I also know, it, like, I find that really fascinating because it was almost like this move was the thing that you needed, even if it was. So it's interesting that it happened, that you were like, no, I have to move. I don't even have a contract. I'm going to move there because you clearly needed to be in Toronto. Totally. Like you know, you like needed I felt to the be. universe pushing me in yeah. that direction, you know, yeah. like I was like, okay, I got to be there. Like I had prior to moving, like, you know, I'd gone a couple times just to like do these little, like do some like short term, like work contracts. And I was like, okay, like, you know, I think I need to be there, but I think it's so you know, what, cause like for me, like I didn't, I don't come from money. I don't mm -hmm. you know, like my mm -hmm. parents are definitely very lower class, you mm -hmm. know, people and, you know, and it, well, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just like, you know, my, we, we grew up with yeah. a very simple life, you know? Yeah. And so it's just like, when you are used to not having a lot, like, I think that financial stability is like so ingrained in me of like, you know, I need to have something secure and like a job. So it's like, that it's so scary, I think, for me a lot of times to take these like right. leaps of faith when I like don't know how I'm going to financially land because I think it's just like I have this like internalized fear of just like you know, of just not being able to like feed and provide for myself because like yeah. you know, I've been in those situations and like you know, especially like when I moved to Toronto, it's like trying to make $400 like last with no job. And in Toronto, it was like it was gone in like a blink of an eye, you know, yeah. and I was like there's days where like I didn't eat, you know, because yeah. I couldn't afford to. And it was like, yeah. do I either like use this money for transportation <laughs> to try yeah. to like go to job interviews and get a job or like, do I feed myself? You know? So it's like, you know, it was definitely like a scary time for me. <laughs> but you <laughs> but... did find, you did find your way. You started working mostly in makeup, would you say? It took a while actually for me to get a job back in makeup because okay. like I was, I had gotten a job in Nova Scotia with a brand and they were like pretty pissed that I was like leaving mm. them to go to another company in Toronto because they like, they didn't want to like take on me moving there yeah. as like a financial part. So like I kind of burned that bridge with like mm. someone who kind of gave me my first job. So then I ended up meeting like a club promoter, ironically, oh. and which was kind of funny. So we ended up like, doing these like costume parties together oh so, so this was sort of like the thing so I would like help like flyer for him and then like we would host these parties so he would like pay me to like help build props and like we would like yeah we would like host these like kind of queer costume parties and I like loved fashion so it was like always so much fun for me to kind of like get dressed up and then I eventually got a job at like Le Chateau end up hiring me which was like oh. super funny because if you go back like super back into my YouTube like I remember like the day I discovered Le Chateau and I was like this is Le Chateau it's amazing Le Chateau <laughs> was, is like, like the that was like the fanciest you could that was like the coolest 
Like, I remember even, I would say, five, six years ago going to Le Chateau and getting, like, the dress. Because that's totally. where you went. Yeah, it exactly. was the cool, cool. It was, it was the like, cool, you know, cool, That was fashion. Was very, like, that was, was the fashion. highest fashion that we had accessible in the mall. <laughs> exactly. It you was. know, I could get, like, a bold colored print. You know, mm-hmm. I could get, like, a good tapered pant. I was like, oh, where has this been my whole life? Yeah. You know? <laughs> There's something I love so much about entrepreneurs, people who have an idea, have a product, have a talent, and figure out a way to grow a business from it. I think it's so inspiring and so cool. And I'm friends with a lot of entrepreneurs. I mean, almost all of my friends are, and I'm so inspired all the time by their ability to take something that they love and build a career from it. And there's one thing that I've noticed when I'm around them, and it's that familiar cha-ching sound that happens on their phones. It's the Shopify new sale sound. And I want to talk about it today because I think that a lot of people are stuck in having the good idea, having the great product, having that talent, and not really sure how to create that e-commerce or commerce platform, but don't have that platform to sell. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're selling hair clips or crocheted bunnies, Shopify simplifies selling online, but also in person. So you can focus on successfully growing your business. Basically, do what you're good at and let Shopify take care of the rest. Shopify covers every sales channel from in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform that most of my friends use. It even lets you sell across social media marketplaces like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. It's packed with industry-leading tools ready to ignite your growth. Shopify gives you complete control over your business and your brand without having to learn any new skills in designer code. And trust me, I'm the girl who Googled how to code her own blog. So it's really nice if you get to skip that step. And thanks to 24-7 help and an extensive business course library, Shopify is there to support your success every step of the way. What's incredible to me about Shopify is no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify is there to empower you with the confidence and control to revolutionize your business, take it to the next level. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash papaya, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash papaya to take your business to the next level today. One more time. That's shopify.com slash papaya. How many of you have been thinking about California prunes since I last talked about them? Because I swear to goodness, they are such an under the radar dried superfood because they're so richly packed with antioxidants, vitamins, minerals, it supports heart and bone health as well as containing fiber to maintain good gut health. I'm one of those people that's like, California prunes? Why why are we having prunes? That's like my grandmother's food. Um they're amazing. I have to tell you, like just having them to snack on has changed my life. Not only that, they're so versatile because they can be used as a snack. Absolutely or as an ingredient in your favorite sweet or savory dishes. California prunes are the superior dried fruit for taste, quality, and texture. And you can easily fill your pantry with prunes and enjoy them whole, 
diced, or pureed. They're perfect to elevate your dish with proteins and grains, add on salads and cereals and in sauces and baked goods. Their sweet, earthy taste makes them perfect for simmering in sauces with your favorite proteins, adding sweetness to a salad. I love them chopped up on a salad or on top of a cereal, or my favorite thing to do, throw them into your smoothies. You can also try creating a prune puree and use it as a butter and sugar substitute in baking. Prunes from California are moist, chewy, sticky, and delicious with a sweet, earthy taste. Look for prunes that say product of USA or product of California to find that premium quality prune. If you want more recipes or learn more about their nutritional facts, you can check out www.californiaprunes.ca. I'm telling you, you're going to think about it and you're going to get them next time you're out and you're going to be like, where have prunes been in my life? I'm just, I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you right now, California prunes. So let's flash forward to now because you have obviously, you work for yourself. You have built a life off of sort of all of the things from your past collectively, when it, whether it's makeup or fashion, modeling. How long have you been truly just doing it on your own now? Like, I feel like you always have been a little bit in some regard, but in a new way, in a new capacity, did you ever see yourself? I know you said with like YouTube and MySpace, but did you ever see this part for yourself was this a goal or was this sort of just like a step yeah I mean it's always been like a goal of mine but I think Mm. you know it's officially now was a year well it'll be like a fully a year in March for me that I'm like which is you know a bit bananas because you know like I it's just hard to believe you know that just especially this last like full year I'm just like blown away by how universe has just been like you were on the right path you know and it's just been like so validated and and Mm -hmm. just the experiences that have come from from this past year but it's been so hard for me to leave my full-time like corporate job when I was you know I was always doing well like on social media like there was never like a you know a bad time I guess for me like it was always like you know I think like opportunities were always coming in but Again, I think it just went back to like my fear of just like, am I going to like lose everything if I make Mm. this leap of faith of like working for myself? But, you know, I think it just, you know, the universe really just taught me again that, you know, you need to make when you feel uncomfortable, I think you're like making the right decision. Right. I think it's like it's it's like when you're in these moments of pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone is like when new growth and like new Mm -hmm. opportunity and like Mm -hmm. you create space, I think, for just like more joy to come into your life. Right. And I, I, I need to remind myself of that sometimes because yeah. it's like I have a hard time making those sort of like big jumps. <laughs> so. you, uh, no, I, I get it fully. And and you speak of joy, but I have to be honest with you. We've a couple times done collab posts and I've been witness to the sort of comments that you get online for being yeah. somebody who's non-binary, who really challenges the thoughts of, you know, what somebody should dress in, what mm-hmm. how somebody should behave and yet you are one of the most joyful people I've ever met. I, but I, I hate that you have to process so much in order to be that version of joy. And how, how, do you, how do you take care of yourself with the amount of comments of people who just hate you for being you? Do you know what I mean? Not even just you, but something that makes them uncomfortable. 
How have you, especially because not only are you doing that, not only are you, you know, really representing your own fashion, your own self, but you also speak out on big topics like HIV AIDS and Mm -hmm. even sobriety, I would say I've learned so much from you in the last, you know, year, but how are you, how do you manage sort of the mental side of being a creator? It's, you know, it's, a, it's, it is a lot. I totally mm. like, and I, I know that you, you can relate to this so much, you know, cause I think you, you go through your own sort of journey with, with what you you stand behind too, but it's like, it's tough because it's like, I really had to like invest, I think a lot of time in like learning how to properly like establish boundaries, like with mm. my own, within my own personal self, because like, you know, I'm such a softie, like literally like the stupidest thing will come on TV and I'll start crying. And I'm oh, like, yeah. You know, I, I'm just like, I, I'm very like much lean into my emotions. But so when I see this like negativity online, it's just like, I really had to like, I guess, like learn how to separate like my own of who I am as a person and feeling secure and and loving myself enough uh, in order to like not take these things so personally. And mm. don't get me wrong, there's still moments where like, I will sure. totally get triggered by someone's comment and that like really pisses me off. But like, you know, I, I really try to look at it as like, you know, like I'm trying to put like positivity and joy and like mm-hmm. education out into the world. And like, you know, maybe this person is like challenging the change that I'm maybe like throwing, you know, throwing into their lives. And maybe I'm not going to be that person to like fully make them shift, but I know mm-hmm. that I did enough to make them react. And I still think that there is like, I still think that that is like a moment of change within those people. And, you know, so oftentimes I do respond to comments and I, and I do it in a light. I think that has a lot of empathy behind it where I just sort of challenge like their own projection of themselves onto me. And I, I think regardless, I I hope that in the future, that's going to like, you know, help them evolve and grow into Mm -hmm. something like that Mm -hmm. is a bit more like respectful I think for everyone so yeah and I think it's also just beyond projections it's a lack of understanding I was talking about this with an older family member who had said to me you know we never had this language when we were younger Mm -hmm. and I never would have I she was sharing with me she was like I think if I had known some of these languages I probably would have identified a little bit differently with my own gender growing up and so but again, no language to it. So it's interesting watching my kids, my teens, especially gender is gender conversations are normal. Gender conversations are a part of, you know, the, the chats you have with your friends. Like it Mm -hmm. is, it is a very common place, but for even someone like me, I don't even think it really came into the scope of my own understanding. And unless it was for social media in the last five years, and 100%. what happens is unless you're like going out there and seeking it and looking for it, people are having like firsthand experiences. And a lot of things come from fear and change. And I, I'm yes. with you on the sense of just, I hope that there is, you know, there there is a saturation happening, potentially an oversaturation as people sort of come to this new place in this new world of understanding and talking about these things. But more than that, the belief that people can change. I can't live in a world that I don't believe that people can change, that the meanest of the people in the world will say something so cruel and I still hold so much hope for them. And I'm glad that I'm, I'm not glad that they make comments towards you, but I am glad that they see you. Do you know what I mean? That they do get that moment, even if it's like a a triggered response that Mm -hmm. they're just uncomfortable, or this is the first time they're seeing something 
it's the first time or maybe the second time or third time or, or who knows, but like it's happening. Something is something is brewing inside of them that will either that will allow them to form essentially an opinion at the end of the day. Not everyone's going to be loving, but I think yeah. that it I would hope that everything you put out there, despite the negativity is creating change, is creating language, is creating tools for people to understand. Because more than that, you have spoken on, I'll I'll tell you firsthand, I've learned so much about HIV AIDS from you. I just had no idea. And I feel like the fact that you bring, I think what is interesting is that you've allowed a lot of your lived experience to become educational. It's not just fun. It's not just the glamour side of it. Like you're really bringing a lot of education and truth and destigmatizing things that mm-hmm. for a lot of us have just never really how would you know unless you knew right like this is stuff isn't being taught in school and exactly. unless you go out and seek it how would you find it so tell me a little bit about how you became basically an activist in many ways around HIV and AIDS you know i think when i was diagnosed like it really like <laughs> put me flat out you know mm. like i I really like, I I really struggled with it. And, you know, I've come overcome a lot of, I think like trauma and adversity in my life, you know, Mm -hmm. like I am a suicide survivor. I'm Mm -hmm. a sexual assault survivor. I've, you know, gone through just what it's been like growing up as a queer person in my small town, you know, coming out as queer, coming out as then non-binary, you know, it's like, these are all sort of like moments in my life that I look back on of like, you know, I had, I had to overcome these sort of like these emotional sort of moments, but I don't know why HIV was so hard for me because out of all of those things that I kind of had survived and had moved through HIV, it really like stripped me of a lot mm-hmm. of my identity and a lot of like the building that I thought that I had did within myself. Mm-hmm. And it sent me sort of back to this very like vulnerable child self again. And, and, and that child self was very much like living in the present of my everyday life for like almost two years. And I really like was trying to like process through it. I was doing a lot of like reading of just like different books that were giving me a bit more knowledge on shame and trauma and boundaries and just understanding that like Brene Brown, you know, I don't know Mm. if I would have gotten through this without her. She really like has helped me so much, I think. But I remember I had gone like during the pandemic, I was doing a lot of like local traveling And I went to Thunder Bay and I was like climbing this like really big mountain that they have out there. And it's like a pretty intense hike. And I was like set this sort of intention of like, I need to change my perspective, Mm. perception of my diagnosis. And like, how do I do that? Mm. And so sort of like what I set for myself on this hike. And by the time I reached to the top, I just had this like overwhelming emotional experience of just like reclaiming my power again and just realizing that like all of these things that I've went through have like taught me so much and like HIV is no different and I need to like let go of the sort of stigma that I'm like stigmatizing of myself and like reclaim my power again Mm. so like I, I remember like flying back to Toronto and was just like I'm filming a video I'm like talking about publicly about my HIV status and like this is going to hold me accountable for this, like, you know, for me reclaiming my power and trying to like stop letting stigma live because I felt like the more I was silent about it, the longer I was letting like stigma, like have a place within who I was. Right. And, and it was, it was, you know, it was debilitating to me, to be honest. So I was like, no yeah. more. <laughs> yeah. I and I, for joy. <laughs> and it does like, I, 
I can imagine you must have been like, seriously, me? Like after everything? Like why? Like yeah. that sucks. And and at the same time, like I don't believe I don't know what I believe, but I don't know if everything happens for a reason, but I do think that good can come from everything. And I feel like yes. I, I've watched that even with JVN coming out with yeah. their HIV diagnosis and the way that they talked about it. I was just like, damn, like this is so different than the version that I grew up hearing about and the fear mongering around it yes. and just like not really understanding it. And I feel like through you and through people like JVN, where I've really just come to understand a lot more and it makes me like a more empathetic person. It makes me a more understanding person and really helps remove that stigma. So I think you're mm -hmm. doing it. Like it just have to validate you and like whatever you felt on that mountaintop, like definitely you're doing it. Also, this is the one time we like hard don't relate is like you climbing massive mountains because I would never, <laughs> I always see you on hikes and stuff and I'm like, no, we're friends, you know but we're not that kind of friend. <laughs> I think we all like find our ways that we like ground ourselves and we mm. heal and we process information. And I think because I grew up in like nature and seclusion, yes. it was like, it's always been a part of me that I've like, it's, it's a big reason why I moved as well. Yeah. Right. Like I left the city. I moved to like, you know, the middle of the woods next to yeah. the lake, you know, like it was like, I need to find the place that like grounds me and bring like recenters myself because I think like this world is like there's so much going on and we don't realize like just how much subconscious anxiety we have and so yeah like me like leaning into like my nature side has been like yeah. a way that I've been able to like give back to myself and show like self-love I think to myself so I love that yeah you really do live like out in like <laughs> out your, in the middle like, what's, what's your what's what do you do what do I do to ground myself yeah uh Honestly, I have to spend time alone and that can be literally yeah. anything, but I just need to be alone. And that's something that I think I ran away from mm -hmm. so much. I'm such a people person. And totally. I realized that I also use people to sort of pacify a discomfort I have, which is being by myself. So yes. when I was a child, I watched the movie Hook and people laugh at this, but this is really my true story. <laughs> I watched the movie Hook and they get kidnapped out of their bedroom. And I spent the next 20 years being absolutely terrified. So I was having this conversation with a friend recently and she was like, do you ever get freaked out about like if people this or if people that or like they see you or they find where you are? And I'm like, no, because I spent 20 years of my life believing, fully believing to the point that I would like talk into the darkness, being like, you're not getting me today. I yeah. believe so much that something was coming for me that it robbed me of so much life experience and the fear of being alone because to be alone is to be vulnerable, is to be in your own mm -hmm. thoughts, all of those things. So now I've, I worked so hard to figure out how to rebalance myself and it is, it isn't being alone and it doesn't take long. Like it, it can even be like an hour or two hours, but the second I do it, it doesn't matter where it is. It can be on an airplane. It can mm -hmm. be on a hike. It can be in the middle of a home sense. It can be literally laying in bed. I get like a whole new sense of self because I feel like I, I, I really worked hard to figure out how to be alone and I think that that's why I, it's now a comfort. And so, yeah. yeah. And that's, I just try my best to not have like those fears of like everything falling apart. I think when you have anxiety of any sort, it can really feel no matter how successful you are in life, that the other shoe's going to drop. And I yes. also think that it, a lot of this comes back to, and there's a lot of jokes about this, but like, Every crime podcast and every Dateline episode, it's always the woman who lights up a room. So I'm always just like, what if? 
like she lit up the room and then she was brutally murdered. And it's like, I don't, what if all of this, like I am, you know, so happy and so bright is because I'm going to have some like big try. That's where my brain can go. I don't yeah. know about you. But that's like but promoting it can be hard. joy, you know, yeah. right? Like, it really is. But I think we're, we've been like, I think society has like trained us in that way, you know, like, especially for our generation, like in yeah. our parents' generation, you know, like, I think we're, we're byproducts of that. Yeah. That it's just like, cause I, even I, I relate to so much of what you're saying about being alone because I refuse to do that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was just like, it was so uncomfortable for me to sit with my emotions. Yeah. But then like, I was trying to find ways to numb and it's like, yeah. You know, so it was like either hanging out with people, like going shopping. It was like, you know, substances, mm-hmm. alcohol, mm-hmm. like all of these things I was using to avoid being alone and sitting with my emotions, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, I think that like so many people feel the same way, you know, yeah. because we've just been like told not to, you know? Yeah. And sobriety is a big one. Now you've talked yes. about this as well. And I remember you were Instagramming on your stories at a wedding and you were talking yes. about running through all of the emotions you were feeling being sober at a wedding. Cause I haven't, I I don't drink anymore. I'm not sober, but I don't drink. And even within that, not having this yes. like social vice of like taking the edge off or, yeah. you know, really needing to unwind or like today was a really hard day. Like I just need a hard drink. Like I'll unlearning all of that, even yes. if I wasn't a regular drinker, which was fascinating to me because I am on the heels of being pregnant when you just aren't allowed to drink. You can't drink. Yeah. And then totally. suddenly it's like I have the choice to drink and I'm choosing not to was a very different, very different thing. How did you start this journey in being sober? And talk to me a little bit about what it sort of unveiled to you in in kind of getting to know yourself and like why it was important that you sought sobriety. Yeah, well, I had been trying to get sober like leading up to like my HIV diagnosis. So mm. like a big thing that was really like traumatic for me was like the kind of my first love of my life. Like he unfortunately commits suicide. Like oh, and so it was the most devastating thing yeah. for me. You know, I was like, 23 I think when it happened and oh wow it just like it it, you know I think like the first person you love like it's always like it's like you'll never forget that love right so it was like you know I I felt very like stripped of that and and you know so it was just like that sort of like led me down this path of like trying to like numb and trying to validate Mm. myself and you know and I and I became more conscious of that like the longer I sort of was like you know following these sort of scripts of of validation and numbing and and then I remember when I got, I like, you know, like I would be, I would like be like a few months and I wouldn't drink. Mm-hmm. And then I'd be at like a social setting and I'd feel anxious again mm-hmm. or something, or I'd have a bad day and I'd drink again. And, you know, so it was always like these like weird stop and starts. And then when I was diagnosed with HIV, it was just like such a like punch to my throat that I was like, I cannot, like, I just, I can't avoid this anymore mm-hmm. because like, the reason I got, I was diagnosed with HIV, I think like stems from so much of my trauma because, you know, at the end of the day, I think out of everything, I was using sexual validation as like the biggest way to numb for myself. Mm. It's just to try to like, I think suppress a lot of my emotions of my trauma. And I was like, you know what, I need to be sober in order to like fully understand and be able to sit with my emotions and be able to process this. And I can't be sent, like my brain already feels like it's been through a blunder. And I like, I need to not like be kind of like pressing that button over and over yeah. again, yeah. you know, with hollow substances. And, 
so I feel like that that's really like where that the moment came from and I and I like the day I got my diagnosis like that was it like that was I, it. I hadn't I, I haven't you know I haven't touched alcohol since and it was just like I, you know and and I think like from that moment it's just been so incredible because yeah. I just I feel like I know who I am now mm. and I can like really sit with myself and I just I think that I had just so much internalized shame that I needed to like unpack and I would not have been able to do that, like not mm. sober, because it's just like a kind of like, it's like taking like, you know, one step forward, 10 steps back, like, yeah. you know, and, and so I just feel like it's just unlocked this whole new version of myself, you know, and I think it's like, it's made place or it's allowed space in my life, you know, to meet someone like Tyler, like, yeah. you know, Tyler and I have known each other for like 12 fucking years. Yeah. And like, <laughs> it's just like, but I just like, I wasn't in the right space to be able to allow someone like Tyler to love me you know I was just so I felt so like damaged that his love was like overwhelming to me and you know and again like I don't I I think like becoming sober has allowed me to do the work in order to like be in a Mm. relationship or 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 understand that maybe I want a relationship of this type you know so yeah I don't know it's been such a (laughs) life-changing I know I'm like I'm I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about where you are now and it's it's totally, first of all, you're engaged to be married. I can't even believe it. I think I watched that engagement video like 45 times. Oh. Like I just bawled my eyes. I was so beautiful. I love Tyler so much. You guys are just have like such, you're such opposites and yet have like just such a beautiful partnership together that I adore. But you've really, you've really carved a life out for yourself not by the norms, like not by a mold, not by a path. I'm sure there's other people who have maybe walked slightly parallel paths, but like most people have walked paths that are very parallel with a lot of other people. And Mm. you really have, you're really in just like your own lane, doing your thing and bringing people into that for anybody listening. That's like, how did you, how did you get there? What was like, how did you figure out just being yourself, especially in a small town or, you know, with a family that maybe didn't understand online when it wasn't really a big thing? How did you figure out who you were and then allow that to be? Because I think a lot of people are still the versions of themselves that have been projected onto Mm -hmm. them. And you really have just reflected out who you are in a way that is so, so, so inspiring. And like, I mean, not even just, not even just like the way, the, your fashion, your makeup, like you have a true sense of like personal style that is not reflective of like any other person's style. Like you really do, <laughs> you. you really have carved it out, but I'm sure that took a lot of work and a lot of, I mean, from such a young age to figure out how to be who you were and reflect that outward. Is there anything that you have sort of done over the years or told yourself that people might actually be able to sort of apply to themselves? Yeah, I mean, I mean, mine really stemmed from, I think, like, you know, a very traumatic experience of like, you know, when I was in high school, like, I was just so depressed that mm. I, I, I was letting the thoughts and opinions of like everyone around me just so drastically like I guess like transform how I was feeling and like what I thought about myself and you know like I I was like you know what I I don't want to do this anymore I don't Mm. I don't think that living is worth it and so surviving out of you know surviving past my suicide attempt was just such an eye-opener for me of like 
I allowed the thoughts and opinions of other people to send me to such a like dark and mm. extreme place mm-hmm. that like I thought that like the only, the best solution is to kill myself. Mm. And I don't know that that just made me realize so much and really like allowed me to take like a huge step back from my life and like who I was and like I think that yes like choosing your authenticity over your safety is like a really big thing. You know, mm. it like takes a lot of courage, it takes a lot of vulnerability. Yeah. to do that. But like I think if we look at like the the negative effects, I think of like living life under other people's opinions and like their teachings and like their like societal pressures, you know, like, is it worth it? I just, mm. I, I really like, I don't believe that anymore. And, mm. you know, I think it's very interesting with like certain people that, you know, come from my childhood life, you know, that think that I'm like selfish or think that I, you know, am full of myself or, or whatever, but it's because like, I've had to choose myself in order to like get to a place where I'm good, you know? And, yeah. and if, if it took me removing myself from their lives, like, yeah. you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but like, I need to, I need to be at a good place, you yeah. know, so that I can maybe let you back in, maybe not, you know, like, and I, and I think it's like that, that's a really hard decision because I think it's hard to, especially from family and like your community, it's, it's really yeah. hard to like walk away from that, but it was like the best thing that I needed to do for myself just in order to get myself strong enough so that I can like have a relationship, you know, I think with them. So I think too, I I wrote this down once, I think in an Instagram caption, but when somebody says that, that you're full of them, uh, full of yourself, they never knew what it was like when you were empty and why are they rooting for it? Like that is such a, it's such a bizarre thing. Same with like, you've changed you're so full of yourself. What what am I supposed to be full of? Like you weren't yeah. here. You didn't know. Those people have no idea the depths of how empty it got mm-hmm. for you. Be full of yourself. Like that's how it should be. And I'm glad you live that way. Is there anybody from your childhood who has really, like we talked about earlier, had those like seeds of saturation of something new and something different? Is there anybody from you, maybe that small town who has like sort of come back and been like, hey, you've actually changed my heart, changed my mind, has been supportive of you? Or has that sort of, is that chapter closed off and you've moved forward? I mean, I think my dad, I don't know why we're going to feel like you're going to cry. <laughs> I feel like my dad has been the biggest one mm. with this just because like our relationship has, it's just always has been a bit, you know, he was always there, but my dad is always like really quiet, you mm. know, and he never really like had a voice, I feel like in our, in our family. And I think I always took that so personally because of like, I, I just always like internalized like, so much shame that he just never really like appreciated me or believed in me. And I'm like the eldest in my family too, you know, and it, just seeing his transformation, I think over the years and him just owning, I think like his mistakes has mm. just been like so healing for me because, you know, I just like, I resented him for such a long time. Yeah. Because I just was like, you know, I had to go through like all of these things on my own, my own. And it's like, I just so badly like wanted, you know, him and my family to like be supportive of me. But like, they were just not in a place to like be there for what I needed, you know, like they would have just made it so much about themselves at that time versus like helping me heal. And so like, you know, over the holidays, I had written my dad like a really long letter and just sort of like expressed like everything that I have sort of felt over the last like kind of 12 years since I left home. And it just was like, 
you know, his response to it was like the most healing thing ever. Like he just was like, you know, I'm sorry that I didn't show up for you. Mm. And I see that now. And then like at that time, I didn't realize it. And I hope you know that like it was such a blind spot for me. And like just being able to hear him say those things, just like totally just, I don't know. It it just changed, I think, like my perception of him Mm. because it's like was the first time in my life I felt like he owned like his shit, you know? And I was like, oh, like this was such a cool thing. And, you know, and I think just, you know, like my parents would say like, oh, we're proud of you. But like, I never felt like there was like meaning behind that, you know, like I felt like they said it because they were obligated to say it, you know? And yeah. And so like him on this other side of the spectrum of him just like owning his emotions, it was like that to me, like was just Mm. like the biggest thing. And I, and something I never thought that I would get. Yeah, but also him, so. you you showed that you showed up and you showed your emotions, and I think that that just reflected back. I'm so glad you got that moment, and I think I'm so grateful that parents. I, I don't know, like I know a lot of people whose stories kind of start at well, my mom or well, my dad, and we're seeing a lot of parents really come forward, being like, I didn't know, or I yes. fucked up, or like I was terrified for X, Y, Z. And I made decisions based in fear, based in, you know, self-reflection instead of love. And I mean, I can't imagine, especially going back like 12 years ago, I can't imagine how much they would have just been so unaware and so lacking understanding and how much that projected onto you and who you were figuring out yourself to be. Mm -hmm. And I'm just so glad that you kind of got that, that healing. And I think it's also a big it's it's hard as a parent. You're like, am I doing the right things? Am I saying the right things? It can be so hard to know what the right thing to do, but also know that like we're humans and it's nice to know that you can, not that you can like fuck up your kids and then come back and apologize, but that it that there is learning along the way, right? Like it is such a journey. And I'm glad that you got that with your father, even though I feel like you sort of parented him into the, into that reality. Right. But I'm glad you have that. Cause I can't imagine, is there part of you that's like, I hope I'm in the news at my small town. Like, I hope they, I hope they see me on TV and they have to like face who I am. My whole life, you know, like it was like, I, I, like, I, I fought so hard for those like moments to be like, look at me, you know, like, because I just, it felt like they couldn't wrap their head around like who I was and what I was doing and like how amazing it was, you know, like, and it's like, I get it. Like, that's not their world. And Mm -hmm. like, I, and I think like one of the biggest like learnings in my lifetime for healing has been really just like separating like I think my own personal like feelings about my parents and like really just trying to like understand that like they're doing the best they can Mm. and like I I, you have I had to like stop looking at my parents as like the mentor and very Mm. much being like also like how am I contributing to this yeah you know because I think a lot of the times we like put these expectations of like we expect our parents to behave or act a certain way or like if I do this or it will give me what I want. And like, that's just as toxic as their behavior. Yeah. And I had to like go of that. And I had to be like, okay, like, you know, I needed to find the courage to be vulnerable to like make space. I think for my, for my dad anyway, to be like, okay, like, you know, like this is, this is what I'm putting it all out on the table. Like Mm -hmm. at least I've not contribute. I'm not continuing to contribute to the problem because I was doing that for 12 years. I never told them what was going on yeah. because I like, I didn't allow them into my life because I never felt that they could show up for me. Mm. You know, yes, that's it took just me 12 protecting years, yourself, right? Yeah, I was, yeah, right? I but like, yeah. but 
you know, he was able to. And and I think that the, maybe not that may not be the case for everyone, but I think it's like, you know, I'm I'm not I need to remove myself from this contribution mm-hmm. <laughs> of this mm-hmm. problem, mm-hmm. you know, and how do I do that? So. Yeah, that's so good. I'm so glad that you you spoke into that because I think that that's probably one of the hardest parts about going forward with like any sort of healing with a relationship is like having yes. to having to take the steps yourself first, <laughs> which yes. can be kind of uncomfortable. But you have been taking steps this whole last year for yourself in your career. And I know I hate this question, so I apologize for asking for it. Where do you, where, where are you going? Like, where are you just, what is like your hopes and dreams for now that you've spent a year sort of like testing the waters on doing this on your own? Where do you see yourself going? Because I've seen you even in the last year, you've made big leaps from, you know, living in the city to going into the country, sort of giving yourself this balance. You've won major awards. You're now on television all the time. Was this all expected goals, plans, or are you sort of like me who's like, I don't know, we'll figure it. We'll see what happens when we get there. (laughs) I mean, I'm definitely very much an Aries where I'm like, okay, here's here's my list of goals for this year. Oh, I have an Aries. I know exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like I definitely like I I think it's important for me anyway. Like I need the structure of like things that I'm working towards mm-hmm. in order to like in order to get there. But I think that like those things also help to like unveil, I think, like other needs, I think, within myself of like I needed to leave the city in order to like be more focused and be yeah. able to like make these dreams happen, you know? And mm. so I, I think it's like, it is, it is a give and take, but I don't know. I, it's always been my dream, I think, is to be the person that I wish I knew existed when I was, when I was a kid. Mm. And I think that it, it's just like growing that sort yeah. of like dream to these new levels, you know, like for me, just being able to be on TV now, has just been like, it's just like, it's reaching a new audience of people yeah. that I know that I'm impacting that like, you know, that again, I can maybe be that first time that they're seeing someone. And, and I just like, I, I, I guess for me, it's like, how do I just keep growing that? Because I think the more we see things, it's like the more normal it becomes. And I think yes. the less that we like negatively like, react to it, mm-hmm. you know, like it just even to go back to just like, you know, for me coming out as like non-binary, like that's only been like just a year for me. I oh, like, really? I resisted that for so long because I had my own internalized like I I think that femininity it's just really unfortunate that femininity has like I don't know has such a like negative it's positioned as weakness yeah like exactly thank you that's exactly it is it's positioned as weakness and I hate that Mm -hmm. and so like for me finally the language was was updated to be like this is exactly who I am Mm -hmm. you know like I've never had a word for it but then my own internalized stigma of like femininity, you know, like it was just like it it stopped me from wanting to lean into it and, and yeah. to like accept it, you know. And I, I just like I, I, it bothered me so much that I was like, I need to like unpack this. I need to unlearn this. I need to like find why this is like bothering me so much. And, and it just it just came back to just like my level of like. I didn't love who I was, you know, mm. and, I, and, I, and I wasn't able to fully accept that. And, you know, so I think that that, that was like a huge sort of like piece for me. And it's like, yeah. I, and I think that it's the same thing for, I think, yeah. changing the dialogue within, I think, the world and, and trying to help be for that. Because I look at like a lot of like, you know, it's a lot of celebrities and just like what they, how they use, I think, their voice. And, you know, in, in some ways it like, 
I think it's amazing, but in other ways it like bothers me. You know, when I look at like someone like Harry Styles, you know, mm. it's like, I love, I love what he is like doing, you know, in mm-hmm. terms of like fighting these sort of gender norms. But then I just like, I feel like he doesn't have like a full stance on it. You know, yeah, it's like, it's, talk there's about this, it. a lot of ambiguity around it, you know? And it's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't want, I feel like that doesn't necessarily like fully fix a problem and mm-hmm. I'm like I, I want to be this person that's like in the public eye that is like living their truth and is like owning all of the parts of who they are and is like standing behind it you know yeah. and, and like being an advocate yeah and yeah I'm I don't know I'm, I'm rambling, does it make but... <laughs> it does it make it because I think one thing that I find really neat is that we're starting to see you sort of on tv doing these things and it's not as a representative of non-binary, it's not totally. as like this, you're just miles and you're just present and there. How has it been though now sort of reshifting your world into understanding what your pronouns are? First of all, what are your pronouns? So I, they, them is they, like them. Are my preferred pronouns. Yes. Okay. Cause <laughs> I, I know there's like some who have they, them, he, she, like just totally. the run of it. So what happens for you? Do you prefer that people ask you your pronouns? Do you find that it's, do you easily correct people when they misgender you? How does that work? I mean, for myself personally, I feel like I haven't gotten to like a, an, my own level of comfort in terms mm. of like correcting people, right. to be honest. Like yeah. I, I, I feel like that's like a whole other level of like yeah. self-confidence that I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm like wanting to have that conversation with like every person that I meet in my life. Yeah. Fair. No, yet. And it, um, it's like, I want to use know, my like, voice, but I've got limits. I only have so much, like so much I can, like I have almost so much liquid in my cup, you know, <laughs> like how much am I going to give away? Yeah. So it's just like, uh, or, or, you know, another one I love using is like, you know, I only have like 10 coins in my pocket. Like how many <laughs> coins am I giving you? Right. So it's just like, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But sorry, what was the what was the first part of that question? I don't even know. I don't even know. And that's okay. It's just I I think, oh yeah. Do you like that people ask now? Like, do yes. you think that that's an important thing? Just like 100 percent Yeah. I've even I've even seen it get more normalized. And I'll be honest, I've even been out before and someone misgendered you, and I just quickly was like, oh, just so you know, like their pronouns are they them and i i think that that's part of this too is like not letting yes. it be all of your coins not let it be all your liquid in the cup really allowing other people to do that for you because you are doing so much to let people in to sort of to share that much that i i think it must it would be so exhausting for you to be in constant state of correcting people it's just more that you're showing up and people are getting to know you and I think they're going to figure it out. Like, I think they're going to just get there and understand it. And that's just going to be what life is. Hopefully moving forward as it all becomes more normal because I even do it. Like I, at the beginning of this podcast, like I've known you for how long and I've always ever known you as they, them. And I misgendered you in the beginning and I had to re like we had to, I had to edit. And that's like a very, but I mean, this is what's so important is like that we are conscious that we are having these thoughts that we're open to, you know, being wrong and not like I had another person who was non-binary they're now trans but at the time they came on the podcast they were like it the worst part is people panicking when they do it the worst part is like when they just like oh my gosh I'm so sorry like just just pick it up and keep going like just correct and keep going do you find the same for you is it easier if people like don't make a thing of it yeah I mean I think it's just like I I, like it's kind of like what you said it's like it's 
it's when you see that they're like, oh, okay, like I, that's wrong, you know, and there's yeah. like a, an instant correction or they'll be like, oh, sorry. Like, and then they'll yeah. be like, you know, they'll use the right pronoun. Like, I think that that to me is like so powerful. And I'm never mm-hmm. like, I'm never upset by that yeah. because it shows like growth and awareness, right? Yeah. I think it's just like, for me, the one of the, I think the harder things is like when my pronouns are there and yes. it's like, you can see them yes. and there's like no correction yes. of it. And it's just like the, the refusal of the change is like, mm. that's what bothers me. You know, it's like, yeah. there, you know, there was someone in my life who just like, I was a part of like a, you know, like a group email that like I was with an organization I was working with and you know he would always open up the email with like hey guys and it Mm. would like just drive me bananas every single time because it was just like this is like an inclusive organization like let's use inclusive language you know that there's non-binary people like within this email thread like we need to not do this you know so it's like it's just like that lack of, of consciousness, you know, I think it's like... And you know it. it you and I have had conversations about it, about yeah. the use of the word crazy or insane. Totally. And we're like, what words are we going to use instead? Exactly. And, and just like being open about like, we're in a shift and people are very uncomfortable about the shift. But yes, they they, regardless, <laughs> I think you and I both have the intent, like both want to be like evolving humans. We want to acknowledge yes. that things are changing. And to hear, I actually would, I had a follower was the reason I... I stopped saying the word crazy and mm-hmm. I make slip up sometimes too. But somebody said to me once that her brother was just recently diagnosed with a, like a psych, a, some sort of like a psychological diagnosis. And yes. she was like, the slang for that would be crazy. So if she goes, if I really encourage you to find new language, because every time I hear it, I think of my brother and I totally. thought this sweet woman loves her brother so much and she's protecting him from a world that uses this term that is thrown against him mm-hmm. so like just without intent and I was like no not everybody's gonna get it right but you were openly on your stories like what other words can we use and you've said it a couple times bananas the choice <laughs> banana yes. is like the current <laughs> one of choice one. <laughs> that's bananas and but I'm like that's that's it right it's the effort to evolve it's the effort to learn and change it's not about getting it perfect and right but being human in the process as we sort of like move through this fast pace evolving society and I think that that's a really that's one thing I really appreciate about you is like there is a lot of people are like 10 steps behind but it's not about like telling them that they're 10 steps behind it's just showing them uh, I mean the way that you've gone and the and how you show up and I think it's a very very beautiful thing I'm excited to see what you do next as always I feel like you surprise me Every single day, but for everyone (laughs) listening who's just like ready to hop on board because it's the most, if I were to describe your platform, it's positive, it's inspiring, it is like stunningly gorgeous and everything is done with such beautiful intention and and it's adventurous. Like I feel like I get to go on adventures with you and through Aww. your lens. And I think that's so, especially the mountain climbing, which I'm never going to do. But <laughs> tell everyone where they can sort of like get in on all that is Miles Sexton. Oh my gosh. Well, on basically all social media, it's just at Miles with a Y and then Sexton. So I, I try to keep it nice and clean <laughs> across everyone. I love it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having this chat with me today. Thank you for allowing us all to kind of get you get to know you a little bit more and sort of go into like those really cool vulnerable spaces with you. I appreciate you and I love you forever.
Uh, so thank you so much for having me. I love you so much. And this is just always amazing getting to chat with yeah, you. Yeah, I, I know, like, right? <laughs> we could well, chat forever. <laughs> I know, we really could. Well, everyone listening, we're going to have everything in the show notes for you as well. And we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening all the way through this episode. If you've made it this far, I have one more little thing to share with you. Did you know that I actually have a photo and video editing app? So many people were surprised to hear that I have one, but it's actually been around for a little while and you can join over 200,000 of the Papaya community by downloading my free app, Pink Papaya on iOS. While so many apps focus on changing your appearance, Pink Papaya is all about celebrating yourself for exactly who you are and expressing your creativity and your storytelling with nearly 50 free filters and tools. Find us on social and share your edits as well. We might just share them too. So tag me as well at Pink Papaya app. Just had to share that with you, especially as the springtime's coming. We've got some really cool things happening in there and so much more coming. Check it out at Pink Papaya app. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at the Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.